0: We've got to get the country back on the right track with the most inspiring agenda. A voice in the desert. Now, here's Crystal Heath. Go Knights, go! Go Knights, go! Yes, that was the cry all across Las Vegas last night as the Golden Knights met. The Winnipeg Jets in Game 3 of the Western Conference Finals and, of course, would go on to defeat them 4-2. to I'm Crystal Heath. You're listening to The Frittle Show on KVXL 11.1 FM. Experience Liberty Radio from Liberty Baptist Church in Las Vegas. So, I was able to see the pregame show, if you will, for the Knights game last night. And then I came to church and then I got home. There was about... I think there were like seven and a half, maybe eight minutes left in the game when I got home last night, so at that point, I believe it was three to two when I got home. Well, before I left, I saw the first goal. The first goal came within i want to say thirty seconds. Well, okay, no, forgive me, we have to back up further and talk about the pre game programs that the- <laughs> only in Las Vegas, right, so they've got the runway. They they projected a runway onto the ice uh, and then a jet on the runway and then the jet attacks the Golden Knight and is split in half and crashes into the stand and stuff, which is kind of graphic and stuff. But especially, well, I'm not going to get into all of that. But I was a little disappointed, to be honest with you. I mean, it was it was funny. It's quaint and cute and stuff, and I don't think that anyone does a pregame hockey show like Las Vegas, which is really very fitting. But I was a little disappointed in the flag-waving guy. I've seen, I, the fact that he came out, you could see that he was on a line, right? That he was going to be flying somewhere. But all he did was, like, go in the air. And that was the end of him. Not gonna lie, I was kinda disappointed. I thought he would like fly back and forth or circle around the stadium or be able to like jump over the night and it would be like this epic battle. But no, his part was very small and then they just like pulled him into the sky. I was like, What what was that? I don't understand that but then there was the whole uh projected image with the jet splitting in two and stuff, which was that was pretty cool from a graphics perspective. Knight scored 3-2, third period. Two seconds left in the game, empty net. Knight score again, and the empty net with two seconds to go. Go on to win 4-2. to two. Game four is here in Las Vegas Friday night. I think it's either 5 or 6 o'clock. My favorite headline from this morning, though, has to be over on SB Nation which is a sports website. They cover all the sports, basically. And their headline is, the Vegas Golden Knights might really make the Stanley Cup final. And I just, like, I shook my head and I thought, someone gets paid to write this. You're just now figuring this out? I mean... Every team that made the playoffs might really make the Stanley Cup final. This doesn't require you to be a sports journalist. I'm pretty sure all of us can figure it out if there is any basic understanding of sports. I think we could take it a step further, potentially. I think we could take it a step further and we could say the Vegas Golden Knights might really win the Stanley Cup, because I think that the Jets are better than the Capitals. might just be me, and I have a feeling that is who's going to win on the other side, but who knows? We'll see. It's just an exciting time to be a hockey fan in Las Vegas, and really for all of us in Las Vegas, except for those of you that immigrated from uh, Minnesota and other places, most of us, let's be real. Most of us here in Vegas weren't huge hockey fans, if hockey fans at all, until the Knights came. The Knights have turned Vegas into a hockey town. It'll be interesting to see if the Raiders can top this. Which, I mean, I think they will because football just has the uh, just a ridiculously broad base. But right now, at least, Vegas is a hockey town. And the Knights are pretty good. Okay, um we need to talk about actual things that are going on in the world outside of hockey. And it's seemingly all politics. So the president had a meeting yesterday with, uh, uh, with um, some sheriffs, and he said that immigrants are animals. And the mainstream media has been reporting repeatedly How the president called immigrants animals. And they've been posting this quote with pictures of mothers with young children crying. And just heartbreaking photos. And just, just excoriating the president for saying something so terrible about people. What they are leaving out is that his comment regarding animals was in direct response to share, to a question from an individual named Sheriff Mims. So Sheriff Mims is explaining to the president problems that she's having and her department is having with MS-13 gang members. And she tells the president, you know, there's uh, there's MS-13 gang members that I know about But if they don't get into the country, if they don't get to a certain point, I'm not allowed to tell ICE about them, and now I have these brutal gang members that are living in my community, and what am I supposed to do? And so the president responds her and says, yeah, this is a problem, we're stopping a lot of them, we're taking them out of the country, you wouldn't believe how bad these people are, these aren't people, these are animals. Now, again, he is specifically... Addressing the topic at hand, which was MS thirteen, MS thirteen gang members. In case you're wondering, oh, I'm sorry, guys. My allergies are so bad today. I don't how do you, how do you live if you have allergies in Las Vegas? How do you get through this time of year? Because it just is hitting me hard right now. But um. The MS-13 gang has its roots in devil worship and prides itself in its extremely uh, gruesome acts of violence, including rape and torture killings. And this is the group that literally rips beating hearts out of their victims while they're still alive. So when the president in this round table discussion on sanctuary cities is specifically being asked about what uh these 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 law enforcement personnel can do regarding MS13 gang members he is very much correct to say that these are animals. If you know anything about MS13, they are animals. They are not it's a group of this nature does not deserve respect. And personally I think deportation is also probably too good for them when you have them raping and killing innocent people and ripping hearts out of bodies. It just is it's it's medieval level torture and gruesomeness and this is what they are known for. Excuse me, I had to blow the nose. <clears throat> so we had that That all happened after I had uh, gotten pretty far into preparing for today's program, but it fit in perfectly with what I wanted to start the day with, because, oh, I'm sorry. Um, I'm so stuffed up right now, and I just, like, it's, well, I won't give you the details, but it's making it difficult to speak, because I can't, like, breathe through my nose right now, and anyway, you didn't need to know that. So I was looking through headlines and things that I'd favorited on Twitter this week. Shh, don't give away my secret. I use Twitter favorites to pick stories for this program. But I discovered that most of what I had found uh, since last we talked was or is related to politics, and almost all of it related to President Trump. So there was the the issue with the president insulting immigrants, and the president hating on immigrants, which of course is actually related to MS-13. Then then we had this news that North Korea is thinking of backing out of its summit with President Trump, which honestly it's not exactly shocking if true but the state department at least up until yesterday i haven't looked for the state department responses today but at least up until yesterday the state department had said that the meeting was proceeding as scheduled president trump uh also yesterday said we'll have to see if the summit is still happening uh he he was he was talking to reporters at the white house uh stressing that Uh, He would still insist on the dismantling of their nuclear program should the meeting happen. He was asked by a reporter if he thought that Kim Jong-un is bluffing by suggesting he would pull out of the summit. The president responded, we'll see what happens. We haven't been notified at all that they are actually withdrawing. So this is just a rumor at this point. At this point, nothing has actually changed regarding the North Koreans and Trump administration meeting. If something does change, we will look at that in depth. But otherwise, I'm going to be an all-American right now and say that the meeting will happen as scheduled, or to quote the president, we will see. We just we don't know at this point. It's Kim Jong-un. Who knows what he's going to do? Then there was this headline from my friend Beckett Adams over at the Washington Examiner, which I think perfectly encapsulates everything that I was looking at regarding prep for the show today. Headline was this. Hang on, I'm sorry, I gotta... I need... I I keep telling my invisible producers, of which I have two of them, that we need um, to have some sort of sound effect that happens when I just have reached a point where I need to take care of the allergies because I just can't speak anymore because I can't breathe but oh wow I cannot what is blooming outside I mean I love blooming things but good gracious it's making my nose run today and it's not a cold I know cycle because this has been happening for two weeks it's just especially bad today okay where was I the headline at the Washington Examiner that's where i was okay the headline is this trump is going to win in 2020 because the media can't quit him this article is just so good so on point so well written i'm i'm going to read it for you i'm just going to read it verbatim because this is this is good beckett adams in the washington examiner trump is going to win in 2020 because the media can't quit him He says, I won't be so bold as to predict the exact scenario that will take him over the finish line, but I will say this, the national press will again be a key factor in his victory. Trump dominated the 2016 election with more than $5 billion in free media, and that was even before he had proven to be a financial blessing for the news industry. The 2020 earned media numbers are going to dwarf current records because there's no way the press surrenders its current lucrative model of wall-to-wall Trump coverage to make equal time for his inevitably- far less exciting opponent national newsrooms are not going to pay the same attention to someone as tightly scripted as say senator elizabeth warren a democrat from massachusetts the same networks that gave 30 plus minutes of uninterrupted coverage to trump's podium are not going to break away from one of his campaign rallies to cover uh, even senator bernie sanders latest initiative to reel in corporate greed So barring economic catastrophe, and unless someone crazier than the president runs in 2020, Trump will have total control again of the presidential election precisely because covering Trump is good for business. In fact, things have only improved for media since he won the White House. Consider, for example, a BuzzFeed report that shows several political reporters are reaping the benefits of the industry's insatiable appetite for all things Trump. Starting contributor rates, get this now, starting contributor rates for political reporters fall between about $30,000 and $50,000 a year. Top reporters can earn between $50,000 and $90,000 for their TV side hustles, and some seasoned pros, boosted by loyalty and multi year arrangements, make as much as $250,000, the report notes, referring specifically to television contributorship deals. To be clear, that's 90000 and $250,000 in addition to their full-time salaries, meaning some reporters are easily making a quarter to a half a million dollars per year. Not bad. In an industry where the national salary average for reporters is $44,000 and mass layoffs are the norm, not the exception. Hysterically enough, the Buzzfeed article quotes anonymous White House reporters who try to downplay their Trump-era payday as some kind of noble burden. Quote, the money is nice, White House reporters say, but they point out that the work const- they work constantly and live under the threat of a morning-altering Trump tweet or an evening-altering scoop from a competitor. Not to mention the frequent attacks on their profession from the president and his allies. The report reads, it adds, quoting on a White House reporter as saying, quote, the money also comes with a lot of misery, unquote. These reporters can say this administration is a special cross to bear, but they're only kidding themselves. Trump is a godsend for media, his very presence in the White House leading to unexpected windfalls for legacy newsrooms that have long struggled to address the problem of dwindling public support uh, from an increasingly distru- distrusting uh, readership the president is or i'm sorry public the president is one of the wildest most exciting things ever to happen to this industry and if you think there's a chance national media will dial back its 24-hour trump coverage in 2020 willingly passing up on the financial benefits that come with covering this circus then you don't know media wow so really what we have exposed here in this article we have we have two things that are going on First, Adams does a fantastic job of pointing out how the media is absolutely obsessed with Trump. No such thing as bad press could be Trump's anthem. He is the news. Good, bad, or otherwise, that's what people are watching, reading, clicking. Trump is the news. And I think that Adams makes a really valid point here when he says that unless something drastically changes, or there is an epically charismatic or, or even total train wreck uh, who runs against him, no normal, if you will, politician is going to pull the media away from the Trump train, which honestly I can't believe I just used that term, but whatever, right? Then secondly... You have a mind-blowing point here from Adams that in an industry that averages a $44,000 yearly salary, with many reporters making far less than that, the Trump administration is driving White House press corps and those outside of, of the White House who nevertheless cover Trump. Those salaries are going sky high, at least in this industry's perspective, because... The media circus surrounding the president is making reporters who cover him more valuable than ever before. $250,000, basically bonus money, for a side gig that has you doing a few TV appearances a week to talk about the president. Methinks this is not a bad deal. I love though then how they talk about how the money's nice but uh, guys you just you don't know what it's like you never know what he's going to tweet and stuff and it's such a difficult life like somebody might beat me to the story gag me true newsies live for the scoop. They live to beat the other guy to the story. They live for the new headline to tweet or new soundbite to post. You are not suffering, White House press corps. Donald Trump is the best thing that ever happened to you. And really, historically, you don't see this kind of presidential obsession in the media. You're like what about what about when Obama was president, or what about when when Bush was president? What about when Clinton was president? Yes, they'd be on the news, but except for say you know a certain Monica Lewinsky scandal, none of those presidents, none of the presidents in that Basically, okay, I'll put it this way. None of the presidents in memory that I can actually remember. like I remember George W. Bush or I mean H.W. Bush. The only thing I remember about him is something about broccoli and I, I know the story now, but I remember it vaguely from real life. Like the presidents I really actually re- remember stuff about is Clinton, George W. Bush, Obama, and now Trump. Okay, that's just that's my that's my life, that's my era. But anyway, yes. These presidents were covered in the media. But their coverage was not wall-to-wall, no matter what channel you go to, month after month after month. Yes, at certain times and during certain events where it was merited, but there wasn't this endless stream of coverage of the president everywhere all the time. And considering the current possible options for the next time we have this election in 2020. I don't see that changing, especially if the president continues to tweet, or to have summits, or to, you know, keep doing things that he said he was going to do. I've said this before. I'll say it as many times as I need to. The president has impressed me as far as it comes to keeping his promises and governing well. I believe that he has governed well. When it comes to his personal life, I don't support pretty much anything in his personal life prior to the presidency. Okay? I'm not a big fan most of the time on how he presents thoughts and opinions, particularly on Twitter. But when it comes to actual policy and governing, he's done what he said he would do. And if he keeps doing it, the media has to keep covering it. And at the rate we're going, it looks like that could keep happening. And the latest predictions for Democrats is that they're going to have Bernie Sanders... Who, by the way, in my opinion, from a purely political perspective, he should be the Democratic nominee simply because of how he was treated the last time. Like, Democrats owe it to Bernie Sanders for him to be their candidate, but I don't think that they're going to coalesce around him. So I doubt that is going to happen. But boy, would it be great if he ran uh, as an independent. I mean, if you're a Republican, that's like a dream come true. Nobody could split the left like Bernie Sanders. But anyway, so so there's the possibility of Sanders. He gets some coverage. He has a bit of the crazy element going on. But I still don't think that knocks the media off the Trump train. Then you have, as Hannity would say, crazy Uncle Joe Biden, who's now polling very well and speculation swirling that he may be seriously looking at a 2020 run. He, uh, He basically just ran away with the latest Zogby poll of likely Democratic primary and caucus voters uh, with 26% of support. Bernie Sanders was second at 18%. Excuse me. And uh, and Oprah was third with 14%. Who was not mentioned, I'll talk about Oprah in just a second, but who was not mentioned is uh, is Julian Castro, who I think has the potential to be a Democrat whiz kid, or even the next JFK for the Democrats in many respects. But I don't know if he has that level of charisma. And without that level of charisma, I'm not really sure that he would pull from the Trump obsession either. He's a former Obama-era housing secretary, former mayor of San Antonio. He's been a vocal uh detractor of the president saying that he's taking the country in the wrong direction and that would be backward. He says it's the most corrupt administration that we have had in this country in a very long time. Uh, okay, I'm not even going to comment on that. But uh, And he said that it's basically his goal this year to help, quote, young progressive Democrats. Unquote. So when it's his goal to help young progressive Democrats... That kind of probably tells you a little bit about what he's like i i I think that if you're going to run for president and be successful at it, you need to at least appear to be friendly and likable and I think despite reports that like he's the next JFK the thing about JFK it was like he smiled and he was friendly and likable same honestly with President Obama. The man could give a speech and make you feel good. I understand the teleprompter, all that, blah, blah. Yeah, I get it. I'm just, I'm saying he presented himself as like your friend and on your side and he smiled and he made you feel good, right? I don't see Castro as being that. Like, I see politically why they think he could be next JFK, but I I just don't see the charisma. Maybe I just haven't studied his style enough. I don't know. So we'll see. So there's a possibility of Castro but at this point he's not even polling among potential Democratic voters so there's that. But the only possible dent in Trump's media machine that I could anticipate at this point would be if Oprah were in fact to run. And I think if she ran she would probably have a really really good shot at winning. Because she's Oprah. Okay, It's kind of like running Trump. It's just, like that analogy hated, it's not all that different. Except, except for this. If I'm Oprah, I don't know if I want the headache. As much as I disagree with her, politically, I think that deep down, Oprah is an individual who has built this reputation of being everyone's friend of being agreeable with everyone and everyone agreeing with her and just kumbaya all around and so on. That image does not stand up if you run for office. You run for president and intentionally or not, you're going to tick people off. They're going to stop watching your show. They're going to stop buying your stuff. They're going to stop staying at your hotels and so on. Now with Trump... He couldn't care less. Don't buy his stuff. Disagree with him. He doesn't care. You're fired, right? And again, I'm not in any way at all an Oprah fan, but I just don't see this as being something in her wheelhouse at this point. I think she likes being Oprah. And that, that brand changes if you run for president. And who knows? I could be completely wrong. Maybe Oprah's about to announce a bid for the presidency tomorrow. I we will see. We will see. But that's not all. That's not all when it comes to the 2020 election, right? This week has just been full of these 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 <sighs> clips of nuggets of news that I just read and I chuckle and I think isn't that interesting? Such as this one. From Business Insider, this headline, this was written uh, this past weekend, we had this headline. Democrats are reportedly worried that the economy could help Republicans in coming elections. Democrats are worried recent positive developments of the economy could mean victory for Republicans in November's midterm elections and the 2020 presidential election, according to a report from The Hill. More than a dozen Democrats told The Hill hopes of winning back the House would be threatened if there's no party-wide message on the economy to balance President Donald Trump's glowing references to the upward-facing economy, despite analysis that suggests recent tariffs will damage the economy and cost thousands of jobs. We need to offer a positive alternative, Democratic pollster Selena Lake told The Hill. You can't be something with nothing. A recent CNN poll said 57% of Americans think the country is being handled well, with 52% of those surveyed saying they approve of how Trump is handling the economy. It's a very big concern, Lake said. The economy is the number one issue out there for people, and right now Trump has a very aggressive economic message that seems to cross traditional party lines to voters. And it goes on, but I think you get the idea. That headline, though. Democrats are reportedly worried that the economy could help Republicans in coming elections. Dun, dun, dun! First of all... (laughs) Would you rather a bad economy so your political party could win? Because if that's the case, I think you're doing a few things wrong. And secondly, no duh, geniuses. Republican policies and tax cuts and the repeal of needless, burdensome regulations are helping everyday Americans. And yes, it's true. Everyday Americans do generally recognize when there's more money in their paychecks, even if it's, you know, only 20 or 30 or 50 or 100 bucks a month. You need to offer the, I, I, the quotes in this article just are, are I, I don't even, I can't even wrap my head around it. I mean, they're literally saying they need to offer a positive alternative. How do you offer a positive alternative to a good economy? Like, what's what's the positive alternative to, look, guys, you've got more money in your paycheck and the economy is great. Where Where's the positive alternative? To be an alternative, like, having more money in your paycheck and the economy doing well would have to be a negative, right? I don't, Maybe I just don't understand the definition of alternative. So please... Please tell tell me more. And then their other quote from their strategist. The economy is the number one issue out there for people and right now Trump has a very aggressive economic message that seems to cross traditional party lines to voters. I mean you guys. This message of a strong economy. It it's crossing party lines. People are buying this whole thing about like Republican policy is working because there's more money in their paychecks or something. The horrors. How could people fall for this? Don't they understand? Didn't they listen to Nancy Pelosi when she told us that the 1000 to $2,000 tax savings we'd see each year is just crumbs and really doesn't matter. Like, this is why we need a positive alternative. <sighs> Messaging to the good economy, otherwise we're going to lose. All that to say... If the presidential election were held tomorrow, I think Trump would probably win. And we can hem and haul and chatter and toss and turn about the tax cuts and the economy and the embassy, moving to Jerusalem and the whole deal with North Korea and all the good stuff that Trump has done. Plus, we can talk about the constant media coverage of him and say, yeah, he's definitely going to win, you guys. But the fact of the matter is, we still have two plus years until the next presidential election. Now, we have an election this fall, and the election this fall is going to determine the balance of power in Congress. And if Congress goes blue, Trump's accomplishments list is going to slow way down. And in two years, the economy could look very different. The world stage could look very different. You just never know what's going to happen in a two-year time frame. It's what many would call a political eternity. So, here's what you need to do. Like Trump, hate Trump, want Congress blue, want Congress red. That is up to you. And as of yesterday, you can now go to ClarkCountyNV.gov slash election. You can log in and you can now view your sample ballot. Okay, ClarkCountyNV.gov slash election. You need to do that. Early voting begins here in Nevada next Saturday, right? I logged in yesterday and I'm not going to lie. I consider myself fairly informed as a voter And I was pretty much completely overwhelmed by how many names were on the two pieces of paper that comprised my sample ballot, and how few of them I'd even heard of, let alone know anything about. Literally, you guys, there's probably around seventy names on the ballot on my sample ballot, and I think I knew, like, really knew four of them. That is that is terrible. I was ashamed of myself. But if I had not gone and looked at my sample ballot, I would not have realized how uninformed I was because I wouldn't have known that so many people were running for offices and I wouldn't have known. There were like four races, I think, that were on my ballot. And I was like, I didn't even know we were voting for that this year. Don't let that moment, that moment that I had where I was like, oh my goodness, I'm a terrible person. I don't know who any of these people are. That moment will happen to you. Unless you are the most informed person I have ever met politically, that moment is going to happen. Don't let that moment happen in the voting booth. Don't be standing in your voting booth and be like, Uh what's a regent and which one of them should I vote for? Don't let that happen. I'm convinced that this is why so few people vote down ballot. It's because we have no idea who these people are, so we just don't vote for them. Now, remember, in Nevada, if you are a registered Democrat, you're going to get a Democrat ballot. If you are a registered Republican, you're going to get a Republican ballot. But don't just assume that everyone on your ballot is uh, the Democrat version of you or the Republican version of you. So it doesn't really matter who you vote for because it's going to be a Republican or a Democrat. So I'll agree with them on everything and it'll be fine if I don't know who they are. No, the Democrats competing on your ballot or the Republicans competing on your ballot may have very different stances on the exact same issue. Plus, though you'll get a party-specific ballot, there are going to be a number of non-partisan offices on your ballot. So judges, justices of the peace, regents, so forth, those aren't officially affiliated with a party. So you've got to make extra sure on those ones that you're voting for the person who is most aligned with what you believe and who you think would best fill those positions. Now, I'm willing to help you find your sample ballot and do any research that I can to help you out. But like I told a friend of mine earlier this week, I, I, I had this whole grand scheme. I was going to do, because I used to do this in Pennsylvania when I was podcasting in Pennsylvania, I was going to do a general run-through of all of our candidates, everyone on there, and what they stand for, so that you would know who they are, until I realized that there are at least eight different ballot poss- ballot combination possibilities just in our listening area, like our for-sure listening area, not even our borderline listening area. Eight different ballot possibilities, and there's just no possible way I could do them all justice when there's like 70 candidates on one ballot possibility alone. So please, please, please visit clarkcountymv.gov/slash-election. Do some googling. Find out anything and everything you can. Uh, You can even, if you have a teenager, make this their project. Right? That you need to get them involved. Get them. Understanding the electoral process, get them understanding the need to know who they're voting for, who you're voting for. You could say, hey, look, here's your assignment this weekend. You could even pay them. I'm not saying that you should, but I'm just saying you could make their favorite brownies or something if you don't have time that's okay right you pay your kids to mow the grass for you you can pay your kids to google people for you it's i mean just saying okay maybe they don't get paid to cut the grass that's fine then they don't get paid to do this or you can just do it yourself either way find somebody that can help you google to find out anything and everything you can about as many people as possible on your ballot okay i'm willing to help if i can i will um If you would like me to help you with that, you can hit me up on Twitter or Facebook at The Friddle, and we'll see what we can do. All right? Sound good? Good. All right. We're going to take a break now, but don't go away. Lots more to come today on The Friddle Show. You're listening to KVXL 101.1 FM, Experience Liberty Radio in Las Vegas. Mayday! Mayday! It's going down in a California near you. There's a California bill. Being considered by the California State Legislature to replace Lincoln or Washington's birthday, possibly both, with May Day a California assemblyman vehemently argued against a bill that would adopt International Workers' Day as a paid holiday, according to Fox News Insider. The bill was introduced by Assemblyman Miguel Santiago and would designate the third Monday in February as a single school holiday to be known as President's Day. Uh, And the holidays in May, so uh, the bill then would subsequently get rid of George Washington or Abraham Lincoln's birthday as holidays and designate May 1st instead as International Workers' Day. International Socialist Workers' Day, or May Day, has been observed in countries under communist rule and was an official holiday of the Soviet Union. Assemblyman Matthew Harper, a Republican, asked in the Assembly, are we in competition to become the laughingstock of the United States? This is ridiculous. This is insane. Seriously, the substitution of adding International Socialist Workers' Day, May Day, the day of parades in the Soviet Union? I'm aghast that a bill like this would be able to get through committee. That is what uh, Assemblyman... Uh, California State Assemblyman Matthew Harper from Huntington Beach had to say about this piece of legislation. So California is considering dropping Washington or Lincoln's birthdays, possibly both. I'm still a little confused on that. I've read some conflicting articles. But either way, they would get rid of at least one of those and replace one of those birthdays with a publicly recognized May Day. For you who are just now tuning in, missed what I just said, May Day is also known as the International Socialist Workers' Day. It's been observed for decades in countries under communist rule and was an official holiday of the Soviet Union. Now, communism is not a cool thing, guys. And socialism is a close cousin to communism. The California legislature, who have done many questionable things in recent months and years, are like, "Hey, let's talk about this. Let's talk about no longer observing Lincoln or Washington's birthdays and instead celebrating this uh, socialist holiday." Let's can we talk about that, guys? Can we talk about that? Because I just thought maybe we could look at a few quotes. From Lincoln and from Washington and then, you know, like from the founder of communism and just sort of compare and see what we think would, you know, be most reflective of our country's values, shall we? And what you think, you know, you would do if you had friends that lived in California, how you would advise them to possibly advise their assembly people on this issue. So here are a few quotes from President Abraham Lincoln. Revered in American history, of course, he said, my concern is not whether God is on our side. My greatest concern is to be on God's side, for God is always right. Lincoln also said, I don't know who my grandfather was. I am much more concerned to know what his grandson will be. Let not him who is houseless pull down the house of another, but let him work diligently and build one for himself, thus by example assuring that his own shall be safe from violence when built. No man is good enough to govern another man without the other's consent. He also said, Our reliance is in the love of liberty, which God has planted in our bosoms. Our defense is in the preservation of the spirit, which prizes liberty as the heritage of all men in all lands everywhere. And, of course, Four score and seven years ago our fathers brought forth upon this continent a new nation conceived in liberty and dedicated to the proposition that all men are created equal. Some quotes from the man often referred to as the father of America now if we shall president George Washington whose birthday is also facing the axe in California he said if the freedom of speech is taken away then dumb and silent we may be led like sheep to the slaughter, he said it will be found in unjust and unwise jealousy to deprive a man of his natural liberty upon the supposition that he may abuse it. He said it's impossible to reason without arriving at a supreme being. I am sure that never was a people who had more reason to acknowledge a divine interposition in their affairs than those of the United States. And I should be pained to believe that they have forgotten that agency which was so often manifested during our revolution or that they failed to consider the omnipotence of that God who is alone able to protect them. We have many records of George Washington's prayers. Here's one sample. (laughs) you <laughs> O eternal and everlasting God, direct my thoughts, words, and work. Wash away my sins in the immaculate blood of the Lamb and purge my heart by thy Holy Spirit. Daily frame me more and more in the likeness of thy Son, Jesus Christ, that living in thy fear and dying in thy favor, I may in thy appointed time obtain the resurrection of the justified unto eternal life. Bless, O Lord, the whole race of mankind, and let the world be filled with the knowledge of thee and thy Son, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. That's that's George Washington. Now it's it's Washington and Lincoln whose birthdays are at risks of being cut out for May Day in California. And so let us contrast these contrast, rather, these very brief uh short because time does not allow me, but I could go on and on with quotes from President Lincoln and President Washington that you may or may not have heard before. Those were just a few, some of my favorites. Let's contrast them now if we shall. The quotes from two of our most revered presidents in American history to that of the founder of communism, Karl Marx, who said, quote, my object in life is to dethrone God and destroy capitalism. The first requisite for the happiness of the people is the abolition, abolition rather uh, of religion. Religion is the sigh of the oppressed creature, the heart of a heartless world, and the soul of soulless. Nice sounding guy, right? He also said, we have no compassion and we ask no compassion from you. When our turn comes, we shall not make excuses for the terror take away a nation's heritage and they are more easily persuaded and i could go on and on but as just mentioned my time is rapidly coming to an end let me instead summarize with this communism fails everywhere it is tried communism destroys communism kills communism is not something to be celebrated and definitely not something that we should be nixing president washington or president abraham lincoln's birthdays uh, to make room for As David Satter reported in the Wall Street Journal, in total, no fewer than 20 million Soviet citizens were put to death by the regime, uh, by the Soviet Union, or died as a result of its repressive policies. This does not include the millions who died in the wars, epidemics, and famine that were predictable consequences of Bolshevik policies, if not directly caused by them. The victims include 200,000 killed during the Red Terror, 11 million dead from famine, 700,000 executed during the Great Terror, 400,000 more executed between 1929 and 1953, 1.6 million dead during forced population transfers, and a minimum 2.7 million dead in the Gulag, labor colonies, and special settlements." To this list should be added nearly a million Gulag prisoners released during World War II into Red Army penal battalions, where they faced almost certain death, the partisans and civilians killed in the post-war revolts against the Soviet rule in Ukraine in the Baltics, and dying Gulag inmates freed so that their deaths would not count in official statistics. If we add to this list, the deaths caused by communist regimes that the Soviet Union created and supported, including those in Eastern Europe, China, Cuba, North Korea, Vietnam, and Cambodia, the total number of victims is closer to 100 million. That makes communism the greatest catastrophe in human history. Now that's not some right, that's the Wall Street Journal reporting on actual facts. The fact is that in 100 years of communism, 100 million people have died as a result of communist rule and communist policies. But somehow in California, May Day seems like a better idea than Lincoln and Washington's birthdays. And we sit back and we think, oh, you know, well, it really doesn't matter who I vote for, for the school board or for the state assembly or for the city council. I mean, I voted for all the big ones. okay? like I voted for governor. Wasn't really sure about that whole lieutenant governor thing, uh, but I voted I voted like for the Congress guy and stuff. I voted for the big ones. I just but, you know, yeah, like the school board and stuff. I didn't know any of those people, so I just didn't vote for any of them because it really I mean, it doesn't really matter. Right. No, it does matter. This is just one example, one very small example, of why it matters who you vote for on your entire ballot. Because in California, right now, their state assembly is considering a bill to end Lincoln and Washington's birthday, replace them with May Day, replace the celebration of great godly American heroes with a celebration of communism and socialism. That can happen in your school district. That can happen in your state. We've seen issues with bathroom regulations. I'm not going to get real into that because time fastly is leaving. Fastly? Quickly? Bigly? is. Anyway. There are issues that are decided at the local level before they get to the state level, before they get to the Supreme Court, those Supreme Court cases start with individuals. They start with localities. They start at city councils. They start at school boards. They start in state assemblies. It matters who you vote for. It matters that you know who is on your ballot. Your voice, your vote... They matter. We start early voting here in Nevada next Saturday, May 26th. Visit ClarkCountyNV.gov. You can see your sample ballot. You can update your voter registration if you've moved or if you want to change party affiliation. You can register to vote online. ClarkCountyNV.gov forward slash election. And now the time has come for me to thank you for being with us today. This has been The Frittle Show on KVXL 101.1 FM, Experience Liberty Radio. We're broadcasting from Liberty Baptist Church at 6501 West Lake Mead Boulevard. Our service times on Sunday are 9.30 and 11.15 Sunday morning, 6 p.m. Sunday evening. We would love to have you and your family join us. You can find out more about our ministry online by visiting Liberty. Uh, dot com. We're going to end today with uh, Anthem Lights with a hymns medley of amazing grace. Be thou my vision and come thou fount of every blessing. Thanks again for being with us. We'll be back tomorrow, same time, same place here on KVXL Radio.